following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Guy that's trying to figure out whether he's retired or unemployed. Uh, that's the journey of my life where I am right now. The day I graduated from high school, I became a youth, youth pastor that very day. And up in Michigan, uh, born and raised there basically. And then uh, along the way, God took me to a place called Cornerstone University, what is now called Cornerstone University. Graduated from there a year early, so I had to figure out what to do with my life then. So I spent the next year at grad school in philosophy at Michigan State University. And uh, after that, I went to assist at a church in Lansing, Michigan, a man named Howard Sugden. I don't know if some of you may know him, but a, a great expositor of the Word of God and appreciated three years of ministry there. Uh, following that, God called us to go to seminary. It was in that period of time that I met Kay, my wife, and in 1971, June 11th of 1971, we were married. And that fall, headed out to a place called Westminster Seminary out on the East Coast in the Philadelphia area. Spent three years there, and uh, thinking that we were going to return home, we stayed out there for the next uh, 44 years, I think it was. Uh, we spent in the Philadelphia area. I pastored a church there for 26 years, and God was very gracious to us at that time, as he always is. And then I spent four years up in Staten Island, New York, and, and then nine years in North Jersey. Uh, we call it North Jersey out there. It's northern New Jersey, but uh, in a place called Essex Fells. And from there, uh, returned back here three years ago, where we uh, are with two of our daughters. One of our daughters is the mother of ten children. The first one was uh, stillborn. Uh, she homeschools beside. No, she's not Catholic and she's not Irish. But uh, she is a, a wonderful mom and has a wonderful husband, and we are near them, as well as another daughter who is in our area, and she's given birth to two children, uh, two lovely little granddaughters, and so that's great. We have another daughter out in the uh, Austin, Texas area, and they have three children. Uh, I think that's uh, close to three teenagers now, and then another son, our youngest is a son, out on the East Coast, and they have four children. So uh, uh, two boys and two girls. So life has been interesting, life has been wonderful, and I am very thankful and excited about the life that God has given me. I am appreciative of the life that God has given me, and I am very much aware that it is God who has given me that life. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. I'd like to, I hope, I hope that all of you have a stone. Uh, I hope that all of you have a stone. Do you have a stone? Anybody who doesn't have a stone, raise your hand, because uh, this is going to give you ammunition if I'm not very good, okay? Uh, I, I, some of, you'll, you'll get it yet, okay, that's good. Uh, but uh, this is, it's important this morning that you have that stone. I want you to take that stone and while I am speaking, 
I, I want you to feel that stone. And if you rub it enough, your hand will become white and the stone will become clean. So uh, that's, uh, that's one of the purposes, because then I'm going to have you give them back to me so then I can use them the next sermon and they'll be clean the next time I use them. No, not really. There are going to be more stones for you to take out this morning if you would like to pick some up. If, in fact, this has been memorable enough for you, uh, I would like for you to pick up some more stones, as many as you want, grab a handful and take them out, and we'll explain that in, in just a few moments. Before we begin, let's pray. Lord of heaven and earth, God of very gods, the only true God, it is to you as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we come this morning, bowing ourselves before you, seeking your face, desiring to know you, wanting you in our lives, wanting and desiring without deserving one moment that grace that is greater. Be pleased through the stumbling, fumbling words of your servant this morning to show yourself to your people. May they see you. May they passion more of you. May they be able to say this morning that it has been good for us to have been in the house of our God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It was a very hard call for me to receive. I knew as soon as our secretary, one of our secretaries, said to me, Pastor, Mr. Willard is on the line that I had failed. I had failed miserably. My heart sunk. What had happened was is that uh, several months earlier, I had met with Mr. and Mrs. Willard, and they had talked with me in the midst of several other things on their minds about the death of an aunt in Hawaii. And she was going to be cremated there, and her remains were going to be sent and going to be buried in a local Philadelphia graveyard. And they said to me, it really doesn't make any difference when, Pastor, you just give the date and the time, and uh, that will be fine, and we'll make all the arrangements, and, and we'll be there. Well, I thought through my schedule, but before I had a chance to do that, my secretary, uh, our secretary at the church, uh, said, let's do it this time. And that sounded good to me, and I said, fine. Forgetting that it was my day off, for one thing. So, as that day came, I thought about it somewhat, but kind of began to put it in the back of my remembrance. And then an emergency occurred in, in my own life uh, with one of my children, and I needed to go with her to the doctor. Did so. And I came back into the office with my dungarees on as my day off goes, and the call came from Mr. Willard, who was at the gravesite waiting for me. Now let me tell you, 
The horror of a pastor is that he should ever forget a funeral. Believe me, no pastor wants to forget a funeral. And I did the unpardonable. Now, what was also interesting about this was that not always was my relationship with Mr. and Mrs. Willard a very good one. <laughs> now, I was humbled. I was indebted. I was blown away. But you know what? They were more concerned that I was okay. It was all right with them. They could read the scriptures and they could sing at the gravesite. That could be done. And they were more concerned for my welfare. And that day, that moment, I had a rock, a stone in my life. Now, turn with me in your scriptures, if you would, to the book of Joshua and the fourth chapter. Joshua chapter 4. In the third chapter, they have made their way. Moses is deceased. Joshua is now the leader and kind of struggling with his leadership, struggling personally and others struggling about him as taking over as the leader. Who could replace Moses? But they've come now and they are told that they are going to move to a place where they are going to cross over the Jordan. Moses, you will remember, through the book of Deuteronomy, has recounted at this very spot all that God has done. And now it is time for them to look at moving into the promised land. So let's read this passage. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, take 12 men from the people from each tribe, a man, and command him saying, take 12 stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord, your God, into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off from the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up the 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, just as the Lord told Joshua. 
And they carried them with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this very day for the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, the people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over the ark of the, of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people, the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and half of the tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel as Moses had told them, about 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. And on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. And so Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan. And when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all of its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan Joshua set up at Gilgal, and he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until he passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea when he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the people of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Memorial Day weekend. Here we are at a time when we are supposed to take time. The day is set aside, and uh, as of, I think, around 1970, it became a weekend for us. What is supposed to be uh, a day of remembrance, a day when we remember not necessarily the military, not necessarily those who are in the military presently, that's Armed Forces Day, not those who have served in the military, that's Veterans Day. This day in its history is a day of remembering those who have died in the service, those who did not return to the things that you and I enjoy because they gave their lives so that we might enjoy them. It is a day of remembering those who have died. In Washington, D.C., on a memorial, a Vietnam memorial, is the name of Stephen Blossom, my cousin who died in Vietnam. It's a cause of war for liberty, for peace, for righteousness, for justice a day of remembering. But this morning, I would like to remind you that every day is God's will for us 
to remember him. Every day is a memorial day. In the book of Deuteronomy, Moses tells the people that they are every day of their lives, every day of their lives, to remember God and his mighty hand of delivering them from Egypt. Every day of their lives. There, I, I don't know almost any of you. And so therefore, I can't tell you this morning in many ways what God's will for you is. But this I can tell you. It is God's will for you that every day of your life you bring to consciousness you purpose intimacy in your reflections with the living and true God that you bring to remembrance. Now, it is very easy for us to forget, and certainly there are some things that we ought to forget. The Bible tells us that. Paul, you will remember, said, forgetting those things that are behind. Which is not saying forget everything that has happened. But it's more in keeping with the author of Hebrews when he says in Hebrews 12, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. All of us are plagued with bad memories. There are things that we should forget. There are things that we should forget because we have brought them to the cross of Jesus Christ, because we have seen in the cross of Jesus Christ his taking those sins upon himself so that God would remember them no more. That as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us, buried in the deepest sea, the scriptures tell us. So there are most certainly things that we ought to forget. But on the other hand, he is the one who calls us to remember him as much as possible that we bring to our consciousness all of those encounters that we have had with him, all of those things that we know about him. Because he is the living and true God. Why is this helpful for us? Well, number one, it helps us to stay in line with the truth. <laughs> Had a very interesting experience a number of years ago when I went for a family gathering and we looked at uh, old pictures of our family. And one of my relatives uh, was talking about my uncle. And I remember her as, as his wife saying, as we were looking at these movies and pictures, oh, poor, 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 like this, and the heart sickness that you felt for her with all of that. The only problem with that was, 
is I happen to remember what their relationship had been while he was alive. And it weren't so good, to say the least. Okay. The conflict, because you see, that's one of the problems. It's amazing how people who are such sinners become saints at, at death. Fascinating thing to me. I've had myriads of funerals. And we have this little time, you know, where people are able to say something about the deceased. And sometimes I, I think even the deceased is going to rise up and say, who are you talking about? <laughs> it helps us in remembering to stay in the truth. It helps us in remembering to recognize our need of God. In remembering him, as I remember my past, I recognize how much I need and am dependent upon the Lord. Absolutely dependent upon the Lord. And you see, as you look at the purpose of these stones that are there, that are collected by these 12 tribes, which are all of, representative of all of the people of Israel, those stones are brought out so that people will remember. They will bring to their awareness by these stones a God who does what? A God who is ever-present. There is the Ark of the Covenant. Now remember, these people were not a people at all until God had grace upon them. That's what Moses reminds them of in the book of Deuteronomy, chapters 4 through 6. He says, you weren't even a people when I called you. I made you a nation. I made you what you are. And you can forget that. You so often move away from that. In fact, that's one of the purposes of remembering. Because when we forget, we tend to think that it's about us. When we remember, we recognize it's all about God. It is he that has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. It's all about God. So he says, take these 12 stones. Remember his presence. Remember that we live in his presence. The psalmist said that, didn't he? When he reminded us that no matter where I go, if I go to the uttermost parts of the sea, if I go to the highest of the mountains, even if I make my bed in Sheol and in death itself, there's no hiding place down here. God is everywhere. And I need to live in that recognition. I need to live in that understanding that God is present. Now that can be, that can be horrible for some moments of my life. Because God is there. There's nothing that I do but that God isn't there. My evil thoughts, God is there. The things that I may do so that I hope no one else knows and no one else may ever discover, God is there. 
But take to the positive of that and the blessing of that, that no matter what happens, God is there. No matter how I may be vilely treated, no matter how people may misspeak of us, no matter what people may say as lies against us, God knows he is there. What a promise to his people. What a promise to the people who trust him, who believe him. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Now, not always is he seeable, but he's always memorable. <laughs> Had something happen not too long ago when our, uh, well, now I guess it's like 13 years ago, so that is a little while ago, but uh, one of our, uh, my daughters and her children were living with us while her husband was on duty over in Afghanistan. And so uh, it was Christmas time, and it came time to put away the ornaments and the uh, other kinds of things, and we have a creche that we always put up along with the, the baby Jesus and Mary and Joe. Everybody knows what we do on that kind of thing. So I wanted to keep it all together, and so we put it together, and, and it was all in the box except baby Jesus. Could not find baby Jesus. I said, Chase, Chase, who is about, at that particular point, one and a half, Chase, where's baby Jesus? I can still see him now. He's down on his knees, he's looking underneath the couch, and he says, baby Jesus, where are you? <laughs> Have you ever asked that? God, where are you? Where are you? You may not see him. You may not feel him. But know this. He is there. No matter how black it might be, the divorce you're going through, the illness that you've struggled with, the disease that you know is going to take your life, the financial hardship, you find yourself homeless, the difficulties and struggles that you're having with your children, God is there. That's the purpose of a stone. Now, not only that God is there, but this God is powerful. He is not impotently there. You see, this is a, a different God than all the other gods that are. This is the living God. That's in his very name, Yahweh, Jehovah, I am. I am that I am. And when Jesus comes in the book of John eight different times, at more than eight different times, he says, I am. I am the bread of life that's sent down from heaven. I am the door. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am. I am. I am. I am. Because Jesus is the living and true God. He is the existent one. And that I am is the God of power. Take the stones, remember the stones, and remember that God put back the waters and caused you to walk over immediately on dry ground. God is the Redeemer. God is the only one 
who can free you from Egypt. God is the only one who can free you from your sinfulness. God is the only one who can truly forgive you of your sins. God is the only one who can cleanse your conscience. God is the only one who can make sense out of life for you. God is the only one. A stone. Not only is he present, not only is he powerful, nothing is impossible with God, but it's also very clear that he's the provider. He's the provider for us. Isn't that a great truth? I need fear no evil because you're with me and you're going to take care of me. The Israelites kept doubting that, didn't they? Where's the water? Where's the food? Where's the clothing? What about the enemies? This present, powerful God is God the provider. Not only not to leave us, but the psalmist says, do the righteous beg for bread in the streets? This is here, he says, put that stone, put that pile of stones there that you might remember your crossing of the Red Sea and your crossing of the Jordan so that you will know that this powerful God has come into covenant with you. He has made you. He has made you a nation and a people, and he has made to you a provision that he is going to take care of you. That you will know, and this is what the book of Numbers says, that you will know that you don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you see you can't escape God this morning? Do you see you don't want to escape God this morning? Do you see that you absolutely need God this morning? That you can't make it in truth without him? He will provide. But also notice his promises. He is the God who has promised. Here they are, ready to go into the promised land. God is fulfilling his word. He keeps his promises. He has told them, as he told Abraham hundreds of years before, I'm going to give you a land, and you're going to go into that land. Now you're going to face the Jebusites, the Girgashites, the, Jebus the uh, Malachites. You're going to face all of these kites. All of them. You're going to face them. But don't be afraid. I've got you covered. I promise. And how will you know that? Because I split the waters. You walked over on dry ground. I displayed to you my glory. I displayed to you my power. I have shown you myself. Don't forget that. 
as you go because you see not only am I the God who is present not only am I the God who is powerful not only am I the God who provides for you but I'm the God who promises you and I never fail I keep my word now again please understand that doesn't mean that you will see it always it doesn't mean that you will always feel it but what does Romans 8 28 tell us and we what's the next word know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him even to those who are the called according to his purpose why the hard times why the hard times Moses addresses that in this very circumstance back in the book of Numbers and Deuteronomy God brought you through these hard times to test you he brought you through these hard times to purify you he brought you through these hard times so that you will understand what your heart really is like and your need of him he was there all the time remember the three men as they stand outside that fiery furnace and they're ready to go in <laughs> to be thrown in remember that and you remember what they said Shadrach Meshach and Abednego God will deliver us and even if not See, sometimes no is an answer to prayer that most of us are unwilling to accept. Even if not, is God unfaithful to his word, unfaithful to his promise? No. Because what he is doing is the same thing that that father did to his son, according to the book of Hebrews. Son though he were, speaking of Jesus, Yet learned he obedience through the things that he suffered. I remember when my uncle was ill. Very specifically, I was a senior in high school and he was dying of cancer. And I remember he would come to see me at Gull Lake Bible Conference where I was a lifeguard that summer. And, and he... He said, Glenn, don't, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Just touching him brought him pain. Any touch brought him kind of pain. And I remember going to see him in the hospital and agonizing and saying, Uncle Walt, if I just wish, I just wish that I could take your pain and your suffering for him. Do you know... God didn't want me to take his pain and suffering. You see your children sometimes going through agony. And you wish that you could take it. God doesn't want you to. Because in taking that, you would take away the instrument that he is using in their lives to make them like Jesus. Don't get in the way. 
don't get in the way. There is this God who keeps his promises, his covenant. He has not forgotten his people, and he is there. Well, what does that mean for us today? Let me just take the last couple minutes and, and talk about the stone, if I can. And I would, I would like to encourage you on your way out to take more stones. There's two bags of stones sitting there, okay? Take more with you. My apologies for their making your hand dirty. Uh, but take more stones with you. And use these stones as signs of remembrance. Let there be a purpose, a meaning, a significance to each of the stones. For instance, I've given you one already that's a stone in my life. Okay? A stone is every time I look at that stone, I remember my friends. And I remember their grace. And that taught me, like apparently nothing else could have in that moment, that taught me what grace was all about. Because you see, there was nothing that I could do to atone for my wrong. There's nothing that I could do to make up for my hurt that I caused them. I was totally dependent upon their favor to me, and I very much did not merit it at all. It taught me about grace. That's what the stone did. That's what that event does in my life. As I reflect on it, it draws me closer to God because it helps me understand God, and I think upon God. What means these stones. Let me tell you about another stone in my life. And I only came to realize this as a stone a few years ago. Let's say maybe 10 or 15 years ago I came to understand this. So here I am in my 50s at the time. And all of a sudden, I realize I have a stone there. My dad died before I was born eight and a half months before I was born, in fact. Never knew him, never had the privilege of knowing my dad. He was a pastor and a very godly guy and appreciated by many, and he died at 39 years of age. For eight years, my mother was a widow. For seven and a half years, basically, I was without a father. And then my father, uh, my stepfather, came onto the scene my mom remarried and married another pastor. So we went to live with him, obviously, in a place called Hart, Michigan, which is just up north of uh, Muskegon. And we were there for two years. And then my dad, stepdad, but my dad, I called him my dad, received a call to go back to a church that he had pastored before. A place up in, now you know I'm from Michigan because I've done this. Okay, anybody from Michigan knows that that's a Michigander right there. Okay, up, we, we lived over here, and we moved over here, 
back to a church that he had already pastored. Now, for the second time, he was pastoring. Highly, highly unusual that that would ever happen. But you know, there's something about Vassar, Michigan you need to know. That is that in Vassar, Michigan, my uncle, my natural father's brother, was a leading and notable chiropractor. And in Vassar, Michigan, is where my father's mother lived, two blocks away from where we had moved. And because my uncle, the chiropractor, and my grandmother were there, my other aunt and uncle would always come and visit and get chiropractic care so that I would be able to see, be babysat by, work for my uncle and my grandmother and see my other aunts and uncles, a family that otherwise I would not have been around, not even have known. And it hit me, in spite of all of those unbelievable kinds of circumstances, God has my mother marry a pastor who returns to a church for the second time to a town where I could be with family. That was the graciousness of God. The goodness of God. Do you have that kind of stone in your life? Do you have that kind of stone? Let me give you another stone, if I may. I have to close. But another stone for me is a time when uh, I had an accident. I was uh, driving down the street and paying attention to my cell phone and uh, trying to get a hold of somebody to make the contact because he had missed the appointment we were supposed to have. And as we're driving down the street, as I'm driving down the street in the rain, wouldn't you know uh, a Mustang jumps out and gets in my way? Nobody was driving it, of course, but it jumped out and got in my way. I wham that thing. Now, I don't know about you, but I got out of that car and I thought, I don't see anybody looking. Yep, it was there. <laughs> and I thought, no, you can't do that. You gotta, you gotta fess up to it, even though nobody sees you. Then I thought, well, I could write on my note, I hit your car and just leave it that way, and so that if there is anybody who sees, then they'll at least think that I left my name and address, and I'll foiled everybody, and I still get, no, I can't do, can't do that. So I wrote on the note, I take full responsibility, I have hit your car, here's my name, here's my address, here's my phone number, uh, I'm not leaving town, I'm a pastor here, and you can uh, come and get a hold of me. It wasn't too much longer after that, that day, that uh, I get the call from the young man, and I say, listen, I'm so sorry, I've hit your car, and I'm responsible for that, and uh, take it to a place, and I'll, I'll take care of it. Now, why did that happen? Why did that happen? Especially as a person who believes that God's involved in everything, in everything. Why in the world did that happen? I don't know. I didn't know. So the following Sunday... 
I use that as an illustration of the sovereignty of our God who is involved in everything of life, everything of life. Why did that happen? And I, said, and I gave them the example, and I said, I don't know why this happens. And I, I prayed. I remember closing the message, praying. Now, God, even with our stupidity in a thing like an accident like that where I am responsible and wasn't paying attention, I know you're there even if I can't see it. I know you're involved in this. Help me to believe you in all things. Close the sermon. We sang. I'm at the, uh, at the back and greeting people, and, and a, a couple comes by, and I feel in my reaching out and shaking the man's hand, there's something in his hand that's being pressed into mine. And I, I, they, they gave me their name, and it didn't, didn't register, nothing registered with me, and, and he's kind of saying things, but I didn't have my hearing aids at that time, and I was having trouble finding where I, so I'm smiling like you do when you can't hear, you know, I'm smiling, and that kind of thing, shaking the hand, and, and then finally it hits me. This man is putting money in my hand, and he's telling me about a Mustang that he had gone out to Ohio to get for his kid and that his son couldn't believe that anybody would be so honest as to leave their name and address. And here is a couple, the parents of this young man, who are in church that very Sunday, who haven't been to church in years, divorced, wondering what life was about for them. And here they are, hearing the gospel. Here they are, pressing money in my hand because they didn't want me to bear the whole burden for it, telling me that they had a son who had a witness, who had a stone in his life, that there was somebody who was really honest and somebody who would be righteous and not all people are totally evil, but by the grace of God are different. Here, God is working. I have no idea about it. And you know what? That's a stone for me. That's a stone for me. Now, what I would like to encourage you to do, because I want for you, and I trust you want for me, that every day of my life, as much as humanly possible, I will remember God. I will live in conscious awareness of God, of God's redemption through Jesus Christ, the one who said, it's finished, of the one who delivered me, delivered me from the bondage of Egypt and brought me across that river and brought me into the promises and into a presence with him and into a life with him that now life makes sense and now life starts to take on meaning and purpose. Remember that God. I want that for you. And please pray that for me. And do it by stones. I'd like to encourage you to begin to gather stones. Now write it down, because it's interesting in the Bible, that's what they did. Remember what's called the book of remembrance? Okay? Write it down. 
every event in your life where you have seen God at work, where you've seen his miraculous wonders, where you have seen demonstrations of his power, where he has delivered you. And let it begin by the stone of the cross. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, where the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. It was there at the cross. Let it be. And if you don't have a stone for the cross, then my friend, cry out that God should be merciful to you and save you for Jesus' sake. If you don't have the stone of the cross, understand that that heavy weight of guilt and sin that you bear could be totally freed from you. You can be delivered from it and you can know the freedom, the freedom that comes knowing God personally and know his provision in your life, know his promises for your life, know his presence in your life, know the power that he has in your life. You can know that. At the cross, let that be your first stone. Never, never forget the cross. But then also see the witness of his power day by day by day as you pray. As we prayed this morning, didn't we? Give us this day our daily bread. Bow before you eat and give him thanks because that is from his hand for you. You didn't deserve it, but that's what grace is all about. That's what the presence of God reminds us of. We don't deserve it, but he loves us anyway. Love so amazing, so divine. That's the witness of John Wesley, isn't it? There he was, he said, bound up in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray I woke the dungeon filled with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? A stone. But other stones. Stones that you will use as moments of remembrance that God hasn't forsaken you. God hasn't forgotten you. God is still providing for you. You're still in his heart. You always will be in his heart. And if you've claimed him, he will always be in yours and never leave you or forsake you. Do it by singing. Do it by memory. Memorizing scripture. Do it by reading the word of God. Do it by gathering with the people of God. Do it by communion services. This do in remembrance of me. But over and over and over from every... Don't idolize it. Don't idolize it. But use it as a point of remembrance. Do you remember the people of Israel? Remember when the fiery serpents went out amongst them? And Moses was told, make a bronze serpent, put it up on a pole. And once the people look, and you know what they did with that bronze serpent and that pole? They kept it. And you know what the Bible tells us in the book of Kings? In the day of Hezekiah, Hezekiah took that bronze pole and that bronze serpent hundreds of years, hundreds of years later, 
He took that bronze serpent and pole and he crushed it because people had taken it and were worshiping the bronze pole and forgot the memory of what it was really all about. In our day, there are things we've made idols of. Things that are stones that we've made sacred and we bow before them. But these stones are not sacred stones. These are remembrances of sacred moments so that every day of my life I will remember God and his deliverance, his salvation in Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? More about you, Lord, I need. More of you, I need. You need more of me. Not because it's your need, but I need you to have more of me. I pray, Father, that you will not be in anyone's life who is here a, a Sunday-only God. I pray that you will not be a only sacred occasion God, only a God at a wedding or a funeral, only a God at a baptism, or even only a God at a communion, but that you will be an everyday, all the time God, a God of remembrance, a God of intimacy, a God of relationship with us. And that we will give you glory and praise because all glory and praise is yours. And it's all of your grace. It's all of your grace. Thank you, Lord, for that amazing grace that you want to be with us. Thank you that you bother with us. Thank you that you've redeemed us, that you've taken us out of bondage. Thank you that you've given to us a living hope and a tomorrow, a future. And thank you that you give us understanding even for our days that we can trust you. May we live as your people. May we live as your children. May we live in your presence. Delight in that. Make much of you in that. Tell others about that so that when they ask what mean these stones, we will tell them about you, the living, true, and only God, and Jesus whom you've sent, for this is eternal life, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.